0: Badger Radio. That's right, you beauties, it's Badger Radio. Welcome back to Totem. Badass new album, Orange Whip, with obligatory big horns from my new favourites, Honey Feet. On a few weeks on March the 28th, the lead vocalist, Rihanna Connolly, is so talented she blows. listeners and thanks for tuning in to this extra special episode of Totem. With me your host Freddie Drabble. Totem continues to bring you elegantly minded listeners, the best music from across the planet, both new and old and sometimes even ancient. But as you may already know, Totem doesn't stop there and we're going to be continuing our research into a wide range of holistic performance and musical practices and interviewing the innovators we're aiming, as always, to demystify and, and explain in layman's terms these practices and phenomena. And with the help of our magical badger totem, we'll be getting to the bottom of these mysteries of the human souls and, and, and trying to help our listeners access the infinite joy and abundance that we believe it's our Earth-born animal right and responsibility to enjoy. But today's show is particularly special for me for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because I've been interested in this field for over 20 years, and at last, I get to speak to some real specialists about it. We're gonna be hearing about all of my most raging curiosities on this subject. The science of resonant frequencies and and how it can be used in various ways for well-being and healing. The voice and other instruments for harmonization. The architecture of frequencies. The extent to which we ourselves are resonant beings at a sub-molecular level we're also going to be talking about references to sound in mythology. But secondly, today's show is extra special because it's coming out on World Sleep Day. Happy World Sleep Day to you all. On Happy World Sleep Day to you too. Was it? Oh, what that? This is because this broadcast is celebrating the release of a new Science of Sleep album from our keynote guest, celebrated producer Tom Middleton called Sleep Better. Don't mind if I do, thanks. We're about to talk to him about how he was drawn from a life of electronic music production and DJing into psychoacoustics, sound architecture and the science of sleep. And because of the new album and Tom's insane knowledge and career, this interview is going to be much longer than usual on Totem. But don't go away. As we're also going to be speaking to the overtone chant specialist Jill Purse uh, about the importance of vocal harmonics to our health. A brilliant interview um, and the science of the overtones she works with. And last but not least, to electronic music producer turned sound healer Ten Sui, aka Tracy's Story of Elemental Resonance, uh, about the science of vibrational therapy and the implications of this work uh, to our wider understanding of health in general. So today, Totem is asking a few key questions. How does sound relate to the structure of matter and to our bodies? And secondly, what are the implications of that? So sit back wherever you are, let the music vibrate through you, and hopefully by the end, your and my curiosity will be satisfied. Music
1: from the underground, only on Radio.
0: New release just out from number one band Sam and the Womp. This is Looking Glass.
2: Wild Imagination Card.
0: Takes me back. This is part of a new EP they released on their own label, Womp Records. I'm loving how everyone's self-representing these days, but I guess having a number one on your belt allows you to do that more easily. Also featured on the record is uh, lead singer Bloom De Wilde's new single, Animal Spirit, which we previewed on our Mandrea Festival podcast, Intense, last summer, which is being released today, I think. Um and that podcast also featured a great interview with bloom too so go back to that show if you want to get to know this vocalist such a personality and and what a voice my god so check the show notes also for a link to the video which is bound to be interesting as bloom is also a video artist this is sam and the womp with looking glass what exactly is sound? Sound is an audible vibration which has a regular or consistent wavelength unlike noise. And in that sense its regular wavelength can affect matter causing it to vibrate consistently. Uh, Today we're also going to be thinking about the super and sub audible frequencies above and below sound too. So if if taken to that very fast vibration, these frequencies are no longer sound, but are perceptible as light. Interestingly, they both work in a very similar way and have the same ability to to vibrate in in train and, and find resonance with the matter, liquids and gases that they come across. Frequencies, whether very high like light or much lower like sound, can all be understood both as beams of particles, as simultaneously as wavelengths. So what makes a gas a gas and matter matter? When we look at a molecular level, we find that it's not the the molecules themselves that make these states different, it's the way in which they're bound together. But at a sub-molecular or quantum level, they have hardly any matter in them at all. What they do have, though, is a resonant frequency of their own which they emanate, and that's related to the speed at which the electrons are orbiting the nucleus, apparently as fast as, well, almost as fast as the speed of light. So, following this logic, it's always struck me that the the traditional kind of particle beam, kind of Cartesian way of seeing the world, i.e., solid static matter inhabiting 3D space, is, is vastly oversimplified. And, and we can explain the world we see around us far more accurately as a kind of vast sea of, of fast-moving, interacting frequencies, all constantly affecting each other. But if this is the case, how can there be any order in the universe? Um, and then Q cymatics which is the study of how sound affects matter. Experiments in the 1680s by Galileo and Robert Hooke were eventually perfected by Ernst Cialdney, who presented the first coherent theory of sound in 1787. And then Faraday in the 1830s, the man who discovered electromagnetic fields, um, after his work, scientists really realised that sound frequencies, or, or Faraday waves, as they became known, had a really specific effect on matter. And they discovered that, that white noise, uh, for example, of uh, an untuned radio, or a sort of a, a, a consonant sound, a kind of you know, these kind of consonant sounds, cause particles to tend towards chaos and to lose the structured relationship between each other. On the other hand, vowel sounds and, and the harmonic sounds that they create cause particles to tend towards an ordered and, and geometric structure in relation to each other. And this science became known as cymatics. Uh, the phrase was coined by Hans Jenny in the 1960s, uh, who started some fascinating research in both solids and viscous liquids. And you can search the internet for photos of this uh, these powders and and viscous liquids that they subjected to harmonic sounds of the solfeggio scale. And they form these extraordinary, beautiful geometric patterns, uh, which really do remind us a lot of what we see in nature around us. So it seems that these these regular, consistent waves of these harmonic sounds have the ability to hold and, and maintain matter in not only an ordered structure but in a beautiful, elegant structure too. So the implications of these experiments are really big. They suggest that the structured geometric forms we see all around us, in the largest galaxies, in, in all of the forms of, of nature, and then right down to the smallest atom of DNA, that they're held in these relationships by some kind of vibration. And in fact, when we look into the the ancient myths of the Hindu Vedas, the Sumerians, the Judaists, the ancient Egyptians and, and the Mayans, they they all have creation myths that speak of the universe being created and sustained, you know, kept in order by cosmic vibrations of some kind or or, or sounds. So today we'll be touching on that architecture and the maths of this this beautiful structure that we see holding in order nature all around us, and finding out a lot more about the nature of these solfecho harmonic harmonic sounds. Um, So after years of musing about this ignorantly, you know, making ridiculous assumptions, I can finally ask someone who knows what they're talking about. So before we get our teeth into those interviews, uh, let's have some more music. Uh, let's hear the Badger news and get straight on with the knowledge, as this promises to be a mind-bogglingly brilliant show. Badger up! Malian desert blues out on worm food since January up next. Totally unique UK Afro fusion group Bamako Overground. This is The Swallow's Tail.
3: are dreaming of lands that pass you by distant cliffs are gleaming of hills and fields of nest that you are born in i'll swallow amongst the stars i sleep but never falling Seasons sweep on through our world below heaven's weep that watch us come and go going where the sun don't burn it gently warms your soul the dust don't blow. The only place that's home. See the lambers green with spring. The cool air on your wing. Hear the songs your brothers sing of joys the summer brings. And from
0: From singer Hans Sutton, right? Hats off to Worm Food Records for once again finding the most extraordinary talent. An absolutely stunning hand-drawn animated music video too from Mae Kindred Boothby. So check it out on the YouTube links in the notes. Loving this track. This is Bamako Overground with Swallow's Tail. yeah. This is from Charlie Roscoe's album, Music for Energy Healing. Yet another musician who was drawn from making party music in his uh, previous incarnation as Swivel Pigeon towards energy healing and vibrational therapy. Um, And we'll be speaking to and about quite a few of these musicians and producers uh, today. Do check his work out at charlieroscoe.com and you can even download free tracks there and get you started on this energy healing practice. We'll be listening to a full track from him at the end of the show after we get past our itch to understand and answer some of these questions about um, the vibrational world and and, uh, vibrational therapy. But before we meet our keynote guest, Tom Middleton, this is the Badger News. Appropriately for the background music, we've chosen to have a calm year at the Artful Badger as the directors nourish our personal careers for a change after the runaway success of the Artful Badger swamped us for the last eight years. But it's rather nice, because it means we can spend more time on the Badger News talking about some of our fabulous collaborators and their inspiring, groundbreaking projects. But before that, let's hear a few things that are actually happening in Badger World, because of course we haven't stopped. We're launching our new, totally absurd Breakfast Boogie, uh, for the first time at the Wilderness Festival uh, near Oxford uh, the first weekend of August. Expect everything from oh, I've Got a Lovely Bunch of Coconuts to Tina Turner's Simply the Best, the silliest saunters, the most ludicrous lunges, the most absurd ass wiggles will all be combined in an hour of delicious dance to rouse your appetite on the, sunda- uh, the Saturday morning. And also at Wilderness we'll be presenting as always our Wild Workshops programme in the uh, Virgin Woodland. And once again, we've created a completely bespoke workshop just for that event around exactly the themes we're discussing today, actually, called Resonant Bodies, where, um, as opposed to here, where we'll be using the mind to think about these things, we'll be exploring the resonant nature of our bodies through movement and through voice and sound. This collaboration will be with Sound of Key director and phenomenal musician and songstress Tallulah Rendell. We are so excited to explore this vibrational work in our wild workshops program it's something i've been meaning to do for a long time and extremely proud to be working with such a celebrated artist Talula is yet another of these artists who's been drawn to the therapeutic aspects of voice and music and her next album the liminal will really reflect that so keep a close eye on her website and Bandcamp for that release because it's coming soon i'm still tense with excitement Uh, for the release of Slamboree's new album which I've been craving for for over a year now and it'll be coming out shortly on their new label, Slam Inc. Check the talent they've been hoarding uh, on the link in the show notes. More great artists setting up their own labels. Love it. Keep going, lads. And lasses. Another release I can't wait for but I'm just going to have to is from vocalist and beat poet Gemma Rogers who's teamed up with a new collaboration uh, with Alfie Holloway ...in a searing and hilarious commentary on post-smartphone culture called Stop. I uh, can't wait for you all to hear that. It is bedwettingly funny. Uh, as well as being a really, really awesome track. I think I need to grow a new patience organ... Uh, ...as I really get, just get genuinely wound up waiting for all these amazing things. So, um, to honour our roots on a more theatrical note... ...bookings are now open for the Castelletto Lab... Uh, in Northern Italy in May, near Milan. We're not hosting or teaching this year as we're away, but owner Dante has gathered an extraordinary group of facilitators, including Wild Workshops' own, Dan Hernandez. So anyone interested in physical theater, buto clown, psycho magic, ritual theater, trance dance, should really, really look into this retreat workshop. As always, check the links in the show notes if you want to find out more about that that really, really extraordinary community workshop. And last but not least, folks, we've now taken the leap from grassroots into the realm of public podcasts. And we are listed on iTunes. Crikey. So no matter how you feel about iTunes, if you share our enthusiasm for getting these shows out to a wider audience... I ask you with all my heart, please, to take a few moments to leave us a review so we can reach more listeners like yourselves. Sincerest thanks for that in advance. Girls and boys, ladies and gentlemen, that was the Bed Renew. So it is time to speak uh, to the first of our very special guests today. We're incredibly lucky to have Tom Middleton with us on the show. He's a classically trained electronic music producer who then accidentally got into DJing and remixing. He's recorded under AKAs, including Global Communication, Jedi Knights, and Cosmos. But some years ago, his career took a new direction as he deepened his research into the effects of sound and uh, music on the body. Uh, But not just the body, also the mind and on the soul as well. And with this new toolkit, he became a bioharmonic sound designer and sound architect. And he's now releasing a new applied sleep science album on Universal, following cutting-edge research into the importance of deep sleep for human health and repair. Tom, thank you so much for joining us on Totem. How are you? Freddie, absolute pleasure to be here with you. Um itching to get into this conversation. First, by means of an introduction to your totally unique take on electronic music and, and all of the innovation you're responsible for. Tell us what, how you got drawn into the field as a young man, and, and what's driven you to to be so innovative and trendsetting uh, as a producer and sound designer, consistently at half a decade at least ahead of the next wave of, of music innovation. What drew you in? Thanks for saying that, Freddie. If we rewind,
4: um, as a kid, I know my dad sat me in the sweet spot between some speakers and played me this music by a Japanese um, synthesizer composer called Tomita. Hmm. and this is a record playing through a um, back to an analog system um, exactly down and it blew my mind away listening to this music the likes of which even to this day is unparalleled I don't think it really um, has any counterparts apart from maybe Vangelis and Jean-Michel Jarre yeah. so Tomita was my first introduction to synthesized electronic sound and music the works of classical works of Debussy, retranslated to to synthesizers. Um, So I remember looking at the back of this sleeve and there's this Japanese um, scientific-looking setup with loads of knobs, wires, modular synths, keyboards, and this list of of equipment that was used. Um, So this is the age of about six or seven. It really hit me that not only was there there was a sort of a sound field, this beautiful kind of stereo uh, 180 degree realm of sound. Yeah, he was painting pictures. He was telling a story. There was a narrative. It was evocative, ethereal. From then on, um, it was you know, growing up, um, listening. You know, it was a diet of of everything from um, eh, funk, soul, disco, boogie, dub, reggae, rock. My dad's record collection. um, You know, standards, Beatles, Stones, etc being addicted to finger on the pause button Sunday night listening to the chart show um, watching Top of the Pops Old Grey Whistle Test all of that the tube on a Friday night you know as a a music lover and consumer I was deep into it Um, very lucky to to do a bit of classical training um, studied piano and cello played in orchestra so that kind of framed it Uh, my uh, grandfather was a jazz guitarist who taught harmonics Or the ability to to use um, harmony and harmonics to um, the the famous Stan Tracy, jazz pianist. Mm. So it's kind of, I've inherited this uh, combination of uh, jazz improvisation, classical music training, and an interest in the science of sound through machines that make these noises and bleeps. Right. <laughs> uh, moving forward to um, sort of through the eighties, there was the synth pop and new wave uh, um, movement. I was really into Depeche Mode, Human League, um, Orchestra Moves in the Dark, massively into Kraftwerk. Moving forward to um, the end of the eighties, the dawn of acid house um, and house music, sort of being integrated into uh, club music experiences. This whole new sound of Neuer Beat, um, proto rave hoover noise rave and then i remember it was, it was my birthday it must have been around 1989 and there's, a, there's a, a pair of guys playing um piers and peabod this guy peabod uh, aka phonic boy on dope um, <laughs> playing some incredible music that i'd never heard of before in fact the goofers that were there were completely blown away He played this, this this track that had um it sounded like Julie Andrews from The Sound of Music, but distorted and twisted and warped into something you couldn't really um, fathom out. And then this relentless barrage of the most intense proto-acid breakbeat um, electro. Um, I went up to the decks and I was looking for the record. There was no record. It was a cassette playing, and the guy <laughs> with the big ring behind the decks, guess who that was? The Aphex Twin. No way. Richard James. So, this was my first introduction to, to meeting Richard, at that point he was known as Phonic and Dope, he's and he was playing records, all the same stuff that I was into, um, and playing this cassette of his own productions and you know, I was blown away, um, it coincided that he had the, shared the same birthday as me, um, he invited me to his house and he's in his bedroom, this is the, the very first bedroom producer if you want to call uh, the bedroom production kind of thing, kind of mentored and, and, and opened my eyes and ears to the possibility of sound, anything you can hear,
0: being capable of creating music. And what was he doing? You 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 mentioned something so, about opening up one of these devices. Yeah. So um,
4: <laughs> I got to his his uh, his house and uh, in his bedroom, he had um, a Roland SH101, which is a, a real classic um, analog mono synth. So. The lid was off it, and, and and I was thinking, what what's going on here? So he'd taken the top off, and with a screwdriver he'd um, adjusted the range on the frequency potentiometer. So human hearing is approximately 20 hertz in the lowest level, uh, the lowest kind of frequencies that you can perceive, to the top level about um, 20 kilohertz. So that's the spectrum of sound that we're receptive to, that we can perceive, we can feel. Um, the low frequencies, the bass frequencies, um, they're the sounds that you feel more. You know, if you've been in a club with a speaker stack, you feel the, the, the punch or the thump or the, um, the the wobble of the bass. Yeah. That, you know, the, the waveform is so huge, it'll penetrate your body. You really feel it. He hacked and customised his Roland SH-101 to extend the range into ultrasonic and infrasonic. That means the bass went below the range of human hearing and then above human hearing. So, to put it into kind of context, you know, ultrasonics, he'd basically be able to communicate with dolphins and bats if he wanted to. Yeah. Um, and if on an infrasonic level, you know, we're talking about watching a speaker cone move and pulse. You can't hear it, but it's just creating a pulse. So the cone moves in and out, you can count the cycles per second. Amazing. Down to like a single one or two or three hertz. Now that, that, actually, at that point, I had no idea what we were really doing. And what was going on was we were mucking around with brainwaves, We were interfering with our own, you know, the, the frequencies of our bodies. Um, and it's not until later on in my my kind of story that um, I really understood what was happening at that point. So it's uh, amazing that, you know, back in 89, you um, Richard was basically exploring the effects of sound and frequencies on the human
0: body in the uh, in his bedroom laboratory and I was privy to those early experiments. Well before um, we get into all of this psychoacoustic research that you've now you know started you've been using regularly in your compositions before we we sort of get into that and really start to understand it um, you've suggested quite brilliantly that we demonstrate this work right now, during the interview, um, for the listeners. So the listeners can really, really do it and really experience it directly. And um, Tom suggested we're going to use a breathing exercise coupled with a piece of uh, music, a piece of work, a piece of sound that he's designed particularly to enhance focus and concentration. And this is something that he's developed for a new project called Breathonyx, which Tom's going to tell us about in a minute. Um, And you're actually now already listening to this Uh, right now in the background this piece that will enhance our focus and concentration is already playing I'm really excited about this. It's gonna be the first time that we've got some audience participation on totem So I'm really looking forward to this Um, And I'm just now I'm just gonna pass you over to Tom so sit back guys and experience this This is gonna be really really interesting
4: Great. So basically, the, the idea of Brigonics is um, it's created by a company called um, Silent Mode, who developed. Um, Sorry, is that Silent Mode? Silent Mode, yes, yeah. The brand based in Hong Kong. Um, they reached out to me uh, to, to get my involvement and help to create the, the sound content for this product, which basically um, is, is really clever. It's a, a really kind of super comfortable face mask with um, high fidelity. Um, speakers integrated, so that you can nap. So it'll, you pop it on, listen to these um, soundscapes, the Onyx, um soundscapes. It will help you nap, so power nap, um, or to relax, or in this case, for focusing. Mm. So there's a little bit of science to this. Um, basically, um, if you if you uh, look at the way that we respire over the course of a minute. Um, at
1: rest, there'll be X number of breaths. Um, it's, it differs from person to
4: person, but approximately speaking, for relaxation, we're aiming for about five or six breaths a minute. Um, if you can get your body to, to that point, you will actually relax. In this case, for focusing and um, a clarity, really kind of locking into something, um, we're aiming for about eight breaths a minute. Right. So. What we'll do is we'll kind of synchronize our breathing for an eight breath per minute cycle. And theoretically, what I'll do is oxygenate your body and your your brain and give you a little boost of of energy and clarity and focus um, to really lock into what what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, And in this case, it's uh, listening to me ramble on about (laughs) psychoacoustics. So I'm gonna play a piece of music and what I want you to do is follow my guidance. We're gonna breathe in. And then breathe out it'll be a count of four in four out four in four out keep following my guidance and then eventually my voice will fade away and you will hear some sounds within the music that will help you with that guide the sounds will raise up in in pitch and then come down in pitch we're going to do that for about two minutes then you're free to breathe as you wish for about a minute sort of break for about a minute then you'll hear the sounds again Follow them again for another couple of minutes, and then, right at the end of that, it'll come to a, a, a natural kind of point where you will feel oxygenated and focused, and where we're done. Three, two, one. Breathe in. Two, three, four. Out. Two, three, four. In. Two, three, four. Out. Two, three. Two, three, four, out. So let's pick up the breathing guidance again. Follow the sounds as they raise up in pitch and down and continue to breathe for another two minutes. And at the end of that, you'll be ready, focused. Three, two, one. Breathe in, two, three, four. Out, two, three, four. In, two, three, four. Out, Two, three four in two three four out two three four in two three four out two if you like, should right now have given you a little top up of of oxygen by speeding up your breath, your normal resting breath rate. You've now got an extra boost of oxygen and you should be listening much more uh, in a much more focused way. So well done. How are you feeling? I think that's uh, pretty effective if you ask me. Um, All of the research suggests that these particular rates can vastly improve various states of, of being. Mm. This one being focus and clarity. So by increasing your your natural resting breath rate, um, opening up your lung capacity, breathing more deeply, you get more oxygen into your body
0: and you start to feel that little buzz and that little boost. Well, so, I, uh, certainly, I certainly feel <laughs> a lot clearer. Thank you so much for that, Tom. And really, really interesting Thank to you. do that live on the radio with the listeners (laughs) guys please send us your feedback tell us how that was for you because that's it's it's not only really really interesting um obviously for tom uh, you know who's very used to this kind of work but also for me to to have such an interesting um participation uh, on the show right so tom let's get back into this generally speaking why do you think it is so important for, for DJs, for producers, but you know, also for event organizers or hospitality managers? I mean, even town planners. Yeah, it, why is it so important for them to understand the effect of sound on the human brain and the body? Well, if you think about it, um, we
4: are resonant vibrational beings. Hmm. Um, I'll, I'll pick a, a Tesla quote. If you wish to understand the universe, think of energy, frequency, and vibration. So on a cellular level, we are vibrating, we're resonating. Um, That said, wherever we are exposed to sound and noise, we are absorbing whatever those frequencies are, whether they're positive or negative. So in any situation where you're exposed to sound or music, I think there needs to be some kind of awareness as to whether the sounds or the noise is good or bad for the body for the mind for the soul um it is measurable there's a lot of evidence and science scientific research going on to uh, to help us understand all of this so Why is it not being practiced? Why is there no regulation beyond um, what we know about sound pressure levels, i.e. it's too loud, it'll damage your hearing. Beyond that, it's interesting that we still haven't got to a point where there is some control over sound that's disruptive, that's dissonant,
0: that's not in harmony with our bodies. Mm. And Um, equally to encourage the ones that that may be positive and may actually increase efficiency. Exactly, you know, in, in, in everyday life, um, it's out of our control. Mm. Sound and noise,
4: um, unless we're putting headphones on and playing our own soundtrack, the soundtrack to life is really, it's a chaos. Mm. You know, it's, it's not something that's particularly pleasant. Um, and this disruption to our lives through um, noise and bad sound is detrimental to health you know mm-hmm. this is um, my my interest is in awareness about noise and sound and also the positive effects and promoting good sound yeah. so my journey if you like from you know interest in why sound affected me at such an early age to explorations in the studio with the apex twin to a, a career um keeping people up dancing all night um pushing those deep emotion triggers inside and resonating bodies to to move and synchronize with beat and rhythm um, has now got to a point where I'm very interested in um, the responsibility of a a, a musician, a producer, or DJ in creating
0: sound that has a positive impact rather than a negative impact. Yeah. You talk about Psychoacoustic research—I absolutely love that word. I'm going to say it again. Psychoacoustic research—it's just a gorgeous word. You talk about it a lot, and you also talk about the neuroscience of sound when you explain your work. Um, and like you say, it's really great to know that that research is now out there and accessible and well explored, so that producers uh, can have this information when they're composing, you know, and be responsible in the, uh, with that information. Can you give the listeners a sort of layman's intro? To what sound does to affect our body and brain? Just so we can sort of maybe maybe understand a bit better. Sure. Well,
4: um, let's go back to the first words so, <laughs> and break it down a bit. So, psychoacoustics, um, by definition, um, it's it's sound perception. It's it's how a sound is translated by our minds and bodies, um, noise, speech, and music, um, how we process that and make a connection with it based on our experience. Mm. Um, its it's interdisciplinary field and includes things like psychology, acoustics, electrical engineering, physics, biology, physiology, and computer science. So um, all of those things kind of tick all the boxes of things that interest me. Uh, I'm interested in how, as a, uh, a consumer of music, a lover of music, um, why certain music gives me the goosebumps effect um, otherwise known as a pilo-erection. Love that word. <laughs> uh, it's not rude, you know, a pilo-erection, it means the hairs on your body are standing up. So Absolutely. you listen to some music, you get a massive pilo-erection from certain bits <laughs> of music. Um, that kind of goosebumps effect, it is awesome. Um, why, why is that? You know, what is it about that particular performance or delivery of the music and the sound that my body's interpreting it so profoundly? It's making that my body actually tingle and the hairs on my body stand on end. Yeah. I mean, that—that—that that, that is just for me extraordinary that sound can elicit that kind of very visible response. Um, you know, it, it creates pure joy. It, um, it can—it can create a sense of sadness, of loss. I mean, it's so powerful, it's so potent. So psychoacoustics is really going deep into um, the, the musicology uh, of perception, um, the neuroscience of. Sound and how, you know, if we think about um, what's going on in in, um, in our brains, how um, the chemistry is affected and the psychology is affected as a, a result of that. So, it's all of the sciences combined together, triggered by the stimulation of sound and music and noise.
0: What have these researchers
4: discovered? <laughs> well, it's ongoing. But yeah. Let, let's just say. That at this point, um, there's still a lot to be put together. Um, there's a lot of meta-analysis going on at the moment, um, and that's an area of the research that, that interests me the most. It's reading the white papers and trying to, to kind of try them out what, what are the connections between all these bits of disparate research going on? Um, on. On a basic level, I suppose it's you know from a consumer user experience level what can I learn from all the current research what can I pull together that actually has some practical benefit and use to help us so as a result of this my research sort of led me to um, really working in an area of um, research that is look, addressing human need understanding why um, the body can be disrupted uh, misaligned um, why well, you can get into a state of dis ease mm. through disruptive sound and frequency, um, uh, being exposed to those kind of frequencies, the bad frequencies. And when we talk about bad frequencies, we're even talking about things such as um, you know the higher uh, spectrum of sound, electromagnetic radiation, um, some of the devices and gadgets, Wi-Fi networks, radio waves, you know, sound isn't just within that range of human hearing, yeah. you go much higher, and we're talking about you know, the kind of waves that are used to, um, to transmit data. We're in it the whole time. We're in a giant kind of field of frequencies. And some of that clearly is disrupting us. It's interfering, it's, it's actually creating a dissonance. It's yeah. not in harmony with our bodies. So. As a consequence, people are getting ill. Um, and this is, again, measurable. Um, so what can we do about it? What, what are the preventative measures? Well, I suppose you could say that trying to give ourselves a, t- a top-up of frequencies that are positive and beneficial and realign any of the, the energy pathways, the strings of the, the, the human um cello if you want yeah yeah that have been detuned by exposure to the wrong frequencies can we retune them to the back again right um and that leads into quite a nice analogy about a human being an instrument in an orchestra and everyone basically together is the orchestra so if you're in tune and everyone else is in tune with that master um frequency you're going to create harmony, a beautiful harmony. Dynamic, um, energizing. um, It's such a magical sound when all the instruments of an orchestra are tuned to perfection, and the energy flows, the music flows, the vibration flows. You feel it, and that's what we want, harmony. If any one of those instruments is out of tune, it creates inharmonious dissonant cacophony not pleasant on the ears and it just feels wrong it sounds wrong if if you look at that as the analogy what we're aiming for is some kind of point at which all all of our body systems are retuned to this natural harmonious state which you can actually trace through um, mathematics to Um, even on a cellular level, on Mm. a DNA level, um, the Fibonacci sequence, the golden section, it's quite beautiful that the universe and human beings, nature, can be described using the 3 to 2 ratio uh, Fibonacci 1 to Mm.
0: uh, 1.618. Well, Tom, I want to ask you more about that history in, in just a moment. Right. Well, we're going to take a quick break for some music. We're going to listen to some of uh, some of Tom's music now, so don't go away, guys. Music from the underground, only on Bandra Radio. Epic build-ups in this track. Penrose Steps from 2012. Tom's using an audio illusion here called the Shepherd Tone, uh, which you can read about via the link in the show notes. Um, and it's also inspired by the visual illusion of the Penrose Staircase. According to Tom, this sends the crowd's absolutely mental on the dance floor, which I do. Once again, do tell us what you think about these, uh, these bits of music. You know, Tom's research is so different from the average producer's take on this. So we're really, really interested in, in what you think about this. Right, so coming straight back to it, because you mentioned the Fibonacci sequence here, which is very, very important. Um, from my research, it appears that this knowledge, you know, goes back much, much further than our modern use of scientific analysis you know what is the history? You know, in your research on what's the history of sound being used for health and transformation, and how far back does it go? Well, we're, we're talking thousands of years, I think. Um,
4: if if you look at um, uh, some of the in, in ancient Indian yogic practices, um, Tibetan chanting, Gregorian overtone, um, solfeggio uh, frequencies, um, you could say that at some point. Before you could measure scientifically and quantify um, humans naturally found frequencies that felt right to their bodies, hmm. and if this was sort of passed on, um, if instruments were created, such as um, uh, singing bowls, uh, if tuning forks were created that, for some reason, had a resonance that felt right, you know, you, you couldn't measure it. You just for some reason intuitively devices were being instruments were being, being created that had tuning systems that were more aligned to to nature and in tune with our bodies to me that makes a lot of sense yeah you know, we're guided by intuition that feels right that's the right note that's the right frequency we wouldn't even really have been able to quantify it um, however moving further forward now we have tools To to, to measure all this stuff. So on a a basic level, um, let's say that the earliest kind of tuning systems seem to be more aligned with uh, and consistent with patterns that you can find in the universe. So on an atomic level, if DNA resonates in in harmony with the spiraling pattern of nature, um, this connection to nature it's it's built in. Yeah. Um, there's one particular tuning system that, that seems to be um, <laughs> quite interesting these days. It, it's 432 hertz seems to be on people's radar, along with 444 hertz, as opposed to the current standard, which is hertz, sorry, 440 hertz. So 440 hertz, which is the, the modern standard for tuning. Right. So. Why would four hundred and thirty two hertz be a tuning system that was more widely used um, in the, the classical era? Um, and why would four hundred and forty four hertz be a, a tuning system that, that's just been used in certain situations? Um, i'm I'm trying to fathom this out myself.
0: yeah. do we know when this this change took place? Was it universal? Was there a universal change or?
4: well the the the, the four hundred and forty hertz standards came about in nineteen thirty six. Um, prior to that it fluctuated and there's some interesting research into um, where and when these frequencies were were basically being used um, to tune orchestras. So we do know that Verdi had um, a 440 Hertz tuning fork um, (laughs) at some point in the past, um, mid-1880s, but then 440 hertz seems to be something that has has developed since then just, it's just to clarify hertz. tom
0: is it, are you saying that this this new frequency from the 1930s onwards is better for our body or vice versa
4: 432 hertz seems to resonate more in tune with our bodies and is mathematically consistent with patterns in the universe
0: Right. So, Can you tell us more about that? That's the relating yeah. to the Pythagorean system, is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, four hundred and thirty-two hertz, basically, vibrates
4: with the universe's golden mean. Fine. It unifies properties of light, time, space, matter, gravity, magnetism with biology, DNA code, and consciousness. Right. You know, the maths of the universe. Um, Pyramids of Egypt, Stonehenge. Um, this you hertz uh, appears in ratios of sun, earth, moon, um, procession of equinoxes. It's pretty extraordinary that you can find this ratio pretty much everywhere. Um, in a conch shell, in the human ear, you, you look at this ratio of 1 to um, to 6.13, 6.18, sorry, and you realize that it's prevalent everywhere. The ancient tuning systems based on the Pythagorean system Um, basically modern music is a result of this you know harmony is this beautiful (laughs) maths you tune um, an instrument using this system and it creates harmony Um, it sounds like a stupid question but why on earth would anyone want to change that you tell me plenty of conspiracy theory as to why one would want to change something that's naturally tuned to nature and our bodies. Um, I think that that shift of 8 hertz, um, or a number that actually has no correlation with um, nature
0: at all, could be disruptive. And could be causing problems again. Apart from it's, those it's, conspiracy it's, possibilities, I mean, what, <laughs> what, but there must be some pragmatic reason. I mean, you know, why they suddenly started tuning in a different way. I mean, these are musicians; these are these are these are, you know, orchestras. You know, there must have been some pragmatic reason. Well, <clears throat>
4: German physicist
0: Johann
4: Heinrich um, Schiebler invented a device called a tonometer. Mm. Um, and did the first experiments with 440Hz tuning in the Mm -hmm. mid-1800s. So this was a a device, uh, what an amazing looking thing. Um, 54 tuning forks with a range from 220Hz to 440Hz, spaced at 4Hz intervals. Um, And and this sparked uh, a widely recognized conversation about a standardization of tuning. Um, And so the US adopted 440Hz for the standard in 1936, Europe followed. Um, but musicians, for some reason, claim that 432 hertz tuning has a better audience response, has a calming yeah. effect, and sounds more integrated. But It's, it's, it's fascinating,
0: but it just seems very odd, doesn't it? That they would yeah. feel the need to change something that clearly had nothing wrong with it. I think that's really, for Is me, it? where the mystery lies.
4: And, and that Asia...
0: And India were
4: ignored from this conversation. Yeah. And where do you find most ancient healing music coming from? Yes, yeah, absolutely. In India. Absolutely. So <laughs> <No> accident, <laughs> hello. No. There's, there's something going on here that doesn't really quite add up to me and to many people out there. However, I'm of a mind to, to, to explore this
0: scientific regardless of this strange schism at the same time this is very clearly come back into the fore. people are well aware that this yeah. other older frequency uh tuning works much much better and presumably you're using it in all of your compositions now so i'm exploring various tuning systems micro
4: tuning systems not standard um uh, for hertz tuning but i'm looking at different tunings actually um ones that feel good to me and they might not even be 432 or 444 hertz it might just be a tuning system that um i've felt intuitively is Mm. right and i think that's more in in line with um a more ancient and natural way of uh, creating music you know people are just singing intuitively um you know if you're kind of singing a lullaby um to your kids
1: yeah yeah yeah, intuition
4: intuition and i think you naturally create some some really interesting um intonations
0: and resonances and harmonics just based on intuition so whatever feels right probably is right that's the bottom line in there. well it's funny that you mentioned the you know reading your kids a story before bed because that brings us on nicely to the main event we are extremely excited and and very very proud at badger radio to be part of your new release and we're loving the fact that this show is coming out to celebrate uh, the release of your new applied sleep science album Uh, which is helping people to get really, really efficient, the most efficient and regenerative sleep possible. As a means of introduction to that, I understand you've read the work of Professor Matthew Walker of the University of California, who really is the leading neuroscientist in this field, uh, the science of sleep. Tell us, what's his theory about the science of sleep? And and how can sound help? Well,
4: I went to uh, one of his uh, lectures recently, and um, it's very it's deeply worrying how um, this global epidemic is really messing us up as a species. You know, uh, the problem is that we're switched on all the time. It's very hard for us to switch off. We're connected. Um, we've got devices that are emitting um, melatonin, blocking um, light frequencies. No way. Um, you know, a, a, a tablet or a, a phone emits so much blue light that it, it actually blocks your body's natural ability to produce the sleep induction hormone melatonin. Uh, that's not good. Like, um, luckily in the last year or two I think um, there's a, a mode now um, that's been created called night shift where yes, I've the seen blue this. light has been removed or switched turned it down um, from the LEDs so that you, at least you get a bit more of the kind of a warmer um, spectrum of red light and red orange light does help um, stimulate um,
0: melatonin production. So if we're on our computers or our phones <clears> in the hour or two before we go to bed, we should definitely try and switch on this this this
4: night Yeah, shift. dial out dial out the blue light if you can.
0: Um, <laughs> Potentially, just get um, rid of the device altogether.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean I think it's difficult. You know, we we uh, we're kind of addicted now. So addressing this very fundamental human need. Of, of sleep, which kind of fixes everything. If you can fix your sleep, you, you'll you'll be fine. Um, Professor uh, Walker has this quote in his book that it's brilliant because, in a way, it it sort of it, it sells sleep as a solution, as a remedy. Um, I'm going to read it out because I think this, in a nutshell, nails why it's so important. Mm. So. I'm going to just read this out and imagine that it's not talking about sleep but this is just a kind of a magic cure. Scientists have discovered a revolutionary new treatment that makes you live longer. It enhances your memory, makes you more attractive. It keeps you slim and lowers food cravings. It protects you from cancer and dementia. It wards off colds and flu. It lowers your risk of heart attacks and stroke, not to mention diabetes. You'll even feel happier, less depressed, unless less anxious you're interested mm-hmm. now you know in a nutshell is basically it's like this is a miracle cure what is this miracle cure? this <laughs> magic a... thing it's sleep <laughs> you know Damn. we do it we all do it um we're very, very very bad at doing it now effectively um i think the uh, the current statistics for if look the, the uk um two-thirds of the population are sleep deprived it's in some cases it's chronic sleep disorders it's, it's insomnia it's um, uh, sleep apnea it's major problems with sleeping if the average is 6 hours and 35 minutes going to bed on average about 11.15 waking up at 5.50am I think there's something wrong because we wind about 100-150 uh, years we were getting 10 hours sleep a night we were, we were getting a significant or nearly double the amount of sleep over Know, two centuries ago so what's gone wrong you know, yeah. since then um, the duration has been you know depleted so much um, so if the holy grail is known as eight hours you know, if we're looking at a hashtag eight hours
0: of sleep um, to, to fix us what can we do about it how can we get that that quality deep sleep And this is where your album comes in, I assume. It's a kind of resetting device that helps us to get back into that old pattern.
4: Right, exactly. This is addressing sleep hygiene and practice. Sleep hygiene? Uh, (laughs) Sleep hygiene, yeah, it's a tag word. um, If you practice good sleep hygiene, (laughs) you're probably on the right course. It means that you're aware of how to sleep better and to do that, you know, I'm looking, um, raising awareness about your pre-sleep routine, um, applying some very simple um, rules, tips, um, guidance. If you follow these, you can increase your chances of getting that quality deep sleep. So this includes things like um, if you're worried and stressed, write down these worries and stresses on a piece of paper and then get rid of them. Um, it's 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 a very simple um, psychology trick, mm. but if you get out of your head the stuff that's worrying you, it, that manifestation of removing it from your, your head, putting it on a piece of paper, is actually quite powerful as a tool to get it out, um, and to fit, make you feel a bit better about it because you've removed it, and therefore you're not going to think about it when you're lying awake um, in bed at night. So. Get out of your head the things that are negative, and then thoughts, emotions, feelings, worries, anxieties, get them on a piece of paper and then get rid of them. Um, then write down a to-do list of the things that you want to do, the positive things you want to do. Um, it's like an affirmation of, you know, I'm definitely going to be doing this, so I don't have to worry about it uh, while I'm sleeping tonight because this is on my list of to-dos. Um, it's a simple practice, but it's, again, it's really effective. And that piece of paper, you're keeping that because that's your kind of log of what, what you're going to be doing in, in the sort of following days. So you've removed all of this stuff, the stuff that you normally process and think about before you go to sleep. That's phase one, Get mm. that out of the way. Phase two, let's learn to breathe again. So we did a little practice earlier on, on on focused breathing. Um, with this music content, I'm looking at slowing you down deliberately in training brain waves to reduce the frequency to a level that will help, maintain the most restorative, replenishing, nourishing sleep possible. Um, so what you get is basically the hour before bedtime, um, you can press play, and this music will initially engage you. I want you to listen to start with, I want to just basically to take you on a little sleep journey, a pre-sleep voyage. I want to take you to a happy place. Yeah. So I'm using some... Um, quite powerful psychological triggers and cues in here to make associations with experiences that we've all had that are pleasant. Mm. So I'm making you making think of a warm place, a safe place, a beautiful place, a place that, um, uh, let's say, a sunset um, with an ocean view. These simple triggers of feeling warm watching the sunset into the sea can inspire some really positive, good feelings inside you. So the start of this sleep journey is to make you feel good. It's very warm, it's loaded with that kind of love energy if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, It feels safe, it makes you feel like everything's all right. It's an oral duvet. (laughs) You surround yourself in this sonic blanket of love and and security, Um, and then the journey continues to, to deliberately slow you down. So I'm using a number of psychoacoustic techniques and brain entrainment techniques to reduce a number of systems. Um, I need you to sleep um, deeply. So obviously, I need you to breathe slower. So you're, you're
0: changing the brainwave actively?
4: Yep, so there's, there's brainwave entrainment um, rhythmically and harmonically slowing everything down. I want you to, to uh, your heart rate to reduce. So by breathing more deeply and slowly, naturally you synchronize without even realizing it. I'm subconsciously influencing you and saying, okay guys, let's just slow down and breathe more deeply. and uh, To do that, I, I need to get you to listen, and then I need you to unlisten. So this is probably the most challenging album I've ever had to make, yeah. because I'm I'm getting you to listen, then I'm getting you to not listen. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah, that, that's... It's kind of counterintuitive you know being a uh, a producer over these years that oh, i want you to listen to music you know that's the whole point of making music right is come on let's share it let's listen together but in this case it's different
1: yeah
4: um it's the that, that shift that metamorphosis that transformation between a state of awareness and consciousness and getting you into that lovely realm of
0: subconscious drift off so, as you're getting into these very sort of slow brain waves of deep sleep, does the audio stop, or does the does it continue literally all night? So, there's a number of options here, and it, and it's basically down to personal
4: taste. Um, uh, developed uh, an app version of this, so um,
0: you can either stream it digitally, and it's a complete eight hour journey. That you could you could watch and what's your TV what's TV. your intuitive feeling about that because that obviously that means you've got a wi-fi device in your bedroom which might be well yeah slightly you know, counter-intuitive, I, mean, um, I, I would love it
4: if ultimately people would listen to it um off-line. without a wi-fi connection so it's on a device and then it's played back that would be ideal but you know people aren't really going to be doing that let's face it i think the the, the, the standard is people will probably have uh, a smartphone next to their bed let's face it most people do so if that is the meetings the delivery it needs to be in-app um and therefore what i'm doing is i'm integrating some um some stuff some some tech um into the um experience that will just help you get to sleep quickly so it's got some light therapy in there it's got a, a sunset fade down um so the light effect is using this trick of, of um, helping your body to produce melatonin. Mm. The sounds are helping you to, to slow all your systems down, to breathe more deeply, um, to get the brainwaves to slow down and synchronize with um, the the rhythms and the harmonies that are built into the, the sound soundscapes, the sleep soundscapes. So with this sleep journey, I'm going to take you to that point where you're asleep and then you've got this seven hours or so of, of what what happens in that seven hours well there's various machines at the moment called white noise machines that people are using that have various colors of white noise they have waves rain um, fan noises all kinds of stuff to basically mask the, the background noise that could uh, disrupt your sleep hmm. so with a combination of, of some of this um, white noise trickery <laughs> um, you can have a background noise-masking ambience if you desire, um, or you can have silence, so it, it, the kind of choice is yours, and, and it works for some people in different ways. Mm. Um, Interesting. I, I would like to think that um, what I'm prescribing is, is the let's say, the ultimate sleep journey. Yeah. And then at the point in your circadian rhythm cycle where you actually reach the highest point in the sleep, um, the lightest level of sleep, um, hopefully you'll you'll awaken feeling much more energized and more refreshed and we do that with a gentle alarm system so rather than the word alarm which is you know, alarming right a <laughs> shot of cortisol first in <laughs> beep 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 or ding, ding 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 i can't stand that i mean it's ridiculous that we've even created this thing to wake people up with something that actually shocks your body into producing cortisol you know like a um, it's like giving yourself a minor heart attack uh, <laughs> Which is, stressful. to me, r- completely uh, ridiculous—the mm. whole notion of an alarm. So, what I do is I use sounds that are much more um, gentle and natural-sounding. So it would be birdsong. We, yeah. we naturally, over you know, as a species, we've woken up to the sound of birdsong since the you know, dawn, dawn of tide, time. Yeah. Um, and that's perfect. You know, so integrating birds with some sounds and tones and, and um, wind chimes, some effects that um, actually. Um, are in tune with with stimulating and arousing on a very gentle level rather than that abrupt shock, Um, we've got you out of the the sleep. And hopefully you've had between seven and nine hours of deep, nourishing, rejuvenating sleep. Um, Fascinating stuff, Tom. The the quantified self, um, I'm currently exploring the effects of this, testing it. Um, with a, a Fitbit, I don't know if you've heard of the Fitbits wearables, but it's no. brilliant. I mean, there's a number of devices now that you can you can basically track your sleep, just to see how you're doing, um, and you know this is to, to help you know get some measurable
0: yeah.
4: um, validation as to whether this stuff works. Absolutely. And, well, bottom line is it is. Tom, so, what, um, what's good. the album called? Where can we get it? The Sleep Better album,
1: mm.
4: um, which is all about you know addressing how to sleep better. Um, Will be available um, on the good old-fashioned CD along with a 60-minute condensed session that gets you into a kind of state of relaxation mm-hmm. um, and then a- awakens you at the end of that. So, great for you know, this the 60-minute um, treatment, if you like. There are a lot of practitioners that like to do 60 minutes of whatever it is, whether it's meditation or massage or… And where's the so best so big, place for people to buy this? Um, well, I would imagine you'll be able to buy it uh, pretty much everywhere. Great. From Tesco to hm to online, you'll be able to stream it, um, download it to your, uh, to, there is an app version. Exactly. Um, so I was going to say,
0: is there a website where we can read more and understand better?
4: Yep. Um, we'll, we'll give you the link to that um, uh, in, in the comments section. Great. Please um, check the notes, listeners. Link in the description. Um, and um,
0: yeah, basically, it's 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 going to be available around uh, um, World Sleep Day. Um, so please enjoy and I hope you get a better night's sleep. What a fascinating world and Tom thank you so much for so many insights uh, in such a short interview we've really covered an enormous amount of material here and um, how brilliant to get it from such an innovative and uh, an extraordinary music producer to see you going through this full spectrum and all, all for, uh, for our own good both as, <laughs> um, uh, as music lovers but also in this case as people in need of really really healthy adjustment to our frequency system Tom thank you for joining us on Totem and all the very best with the 8 hour sleep hour. Thank you very much Take, Take care, care Tom. Tom Great to talk Cheers <laughs>
3: I you. Backy home all alone It's when they start to wander in It's getting hot, I hear shots out to fire I can sleep but my body's tired I've got a strange mind I do my best in hope to please So everyone is happy, forget about me I try to write a melody But the beat just keeps taking control I'm scaring myself off the stage to recalibrate Still conscious of what I say I've got a strange mind reverberates I hear an echo that needs a break I let them pass I rain clouds but they sneak up on me, make no sound Self-conscious of no self-esteem
0: Signing for the Sussex-based label of Duncan Disorderly, Good Times Music. These guys are called Bear Jams. Great voice, this lad. Look forward to hearing more from them. Following such an extraordinary interview from Tom Middleton, this is appropriately called Strange Mind.
3: Mind till I'm old. Patiently I watch the skies, and I'm better now, and I know why. There's nothing else I can say. Just wake up and start again. This playtime here every day. I've got a strange mind. Yes, I'll be fine yes i 'll be fine yes 'll be fine
0: so it is time to speak to the next of our very special guests today, Jill Purse. Now Jill is a British voice teacher and family constellations therapist and author. In the 1970s, she developed a new way of working with the voice using overtone chanting, producing a single note whilst amplifying the vocal harmonics. And she offers workshops in this technique via her organization, The Healing Voice. Between 71 and 74, she worked in Germany with the eternal composer Karlheinz Stockhausen, famous for pioneering early electronic music and instruments. She discovered the effect of sound on matter In the late 1960s, through the cymatics work of Hans Jenny, who used fine powders, liquids, and pastes to show how formless matter takes on diverse forms and complex patterns through sound vibration. And Jill went on to investigate that, and we showed the videos of these experiments at my Being in Motion Multimedia Arts Festival in 2004 at the 291 Gallery in London. Jill is also author of The Mystic Spiral, Journey of the Soul, a book about the spiral in sacred traditions, art and psychology. Jill, welcome to Totem, and thank you so much for coming on. How are you?
5: I'm well, thank you.
0: Thank you so much as well. After last week's uh, intensive Healing Voice workshop, how did it go?
5: It was wonderful, yes. It was a a weekend, well, an eight-day intensive, really, but it's actually got quite a lead up and quite a lead down, so it's actually much more, and it was absolutely wonderful.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. So, Jill, how did you first discover the field of overtone chanting, and and why did you think it would be so useful to people here in the West?
5: Well, I first realised that we in the West had gone silent, and that this was a real pathology of the state of the world. All the ways that people had come together to sing and chant had been gradually eroded from our society, and nobody went to, or less and less people were going to societal religious liturgies, and one of the ways that had uh, sustained sacred chant in in the world and people had become disaffected from that and called themselves spiritual but not religious and so not uh taking part in any of these things and then all the sort all the, the sort of um Ways that people had sung to their babies the nurse, mm. you know nursery rhymes and, and lullabies had been eroded mm. And that people had lost their songs lost their voice the old people no longer sang anymore mm. So I realized that the more sophisticated our societies became the more silent we became yeah. and I realized that this was something that I needed to do Something about mm. and so my question was you know if we're going to sing again What are we going to sing because if we sing words then? you know they they're either the correct words or the incorrect words they're inclusive or exclusive and at the same time so um, there had to be some form of chanting which um, went beyond this kind of inclusive exclusive categories which was available to people who were told they couldn't sing in tune, and um, which had a very powerful effect uh, on the body so it had to be vocal um because we're a wind instrument we're a tube with holes in us yeah. the sound needs to come from within not from without so it's no good shoving it back inside from outside when we've forgotten to have it come from inside
1: yeah, I agree. so it
5: needed to be a vocal um um technique but it also needed to be it needed to overcome the problem of tuning so in the 17th century with the with the uh, popularity of keyboard instruments western music was retuned mm. to overcome what's called the pythagorean comma which is when you tune an instrument from the note to its fifth from that note to its fifth so called the yeah. cycle of fifths uh you get to a point where you overlap um by a quarter of a semitone instead of meeting the octave again and so this problem uh, meant that uh, if music was to continue uh and develop uh, this quarter of a semitone had to be co-opted into the octave. So that's what was done. The the um, extra interval was rammed back inside the octave so that all the intervals in the octaves were made very slightly out of tune. Very which is strange, what Western, very strange
0: idea, isn't it?
5: Very strange idea, but it's a compromise, and I call it a Faustian bargain. We'll make all our music out of tune and look... What we can do with it mm. so all music since Bach and including Bach, Bach celebrated this with the preludes and fugues for the well-tempered clavier showing how you could now play in every key which you couldn't before
1: mm.
5: and all music since Bach has been uh only possible because it's all been slightly out of tune uh-huh. so um so my my conundrum was how to how to reintroduce us to to uh, voices, to to, to to music, to finding a way to share our voices in a way that was actually in tune. Hmm. And so there's only one way of doing that. And that's a way of chanting found in Central Asia, in Tibet, in Mongolia, and in Tuva, in varying forms, yes. where you tune on a single note. Now, this also is very useful, because when people say they can't sing in tune, hmm. singing in tune is to do with the relative a uh, relationship between two notes and so if you're singing a on one note theoretically it's not possible to be out of tune. Yes. So this way of chanting, you chant on a single note and then by changing the shape of the uh, resonant uh, cavities of the instrument that we are, the mouth, the, the um, larynx and the pharynx, we uh, through resonance we amplify the notes that are contained within the note which are called harmonics and these therefore become louder than the fundamental and these are and can only be in tune. So this was a form of chanting which uh, ticked many boxes. It meant people who couldn't sing in tune could do it. It meant that uh, it made, Provided us with a way of chanting with no words So it wasn't inclusive or exclusive or both and it provided a way of us being in tune which uh, Western music and therefore because we export music to the rest of the world uh, Music was increasingly not Mm, So this was the way that um, seemed to be um, the most uh, Interesting way, but also because it's ultimately very fascinating because when you hear uh, um, or when you do, when you make one sound, but you hear these very pure bell-like sounds floating above the note that you're making, it's utterly magical, yes. both to do it individually and with other people.
0: Yes, and I can attest to that, having attended one of your workshops, it is, it is utterly magical. You touched on this earlier, uh, Jill, just in your introduction there, but the, what, why the, the human voice is so important? I mean, you mentioned we are an instrument. But what particularly does our own voice have, which other sounds and other potential healing sounds don't have? What's different about the fact that it's our voice?
5: Well, uh, everything is made up of the periodicities and regularities of of movement. Uh, In other words, vibrations. So everything in the human body is made up of vibrations. The proteins um, clunk along, the heart vibrates, the various... um, brain rhythms, our walking is another kind of rhythm. Um, We're made up of irregularities and periodicities of multiple forms of vibrations and when we don't um, make sound these all get out of tune and and we get sick. So by using our own voices we're able to activate and and create a kind of coherence between all these different vibratory periodicities in the body and uh, it's only when we're really coherent that we can be healthy and sound in mind and body. Itself a very interesting expression um, embedded in language of the understanding that to be healthy we need to be sound. To be sound means to be healthy and to
0: be true. Interesting, yeah. Okay, so tell us more about overtones themselves. You you touched on it there, but for, for us laymen who are totally clueless in these matters, how does an overtone actually work? And what's its well, significance?
5: Well, every sound... Uh, when we normally hear a sound we think that's it but actually every sound contains an infinite number of other sounds which we don't normally hear what we do hear is and can identify uh, is what's making the sound so if we hear let's say on a on a similar note if we hear multiple instruments playing or multiple people singing or chanting or or speaking we're able to identify the source we can say that's a piano that's an oboe that's a flute or that's my grandmother or my sister <laughs> and so forth so what enables us to identify the source is called in music the color it's called the timbre or in german the the uh uh, uh clang farb, the tone color this is very interesting we're reaching into the parameters of sound and uh, of music of, of, of into the parameters of light in order yeah. to describe sound interesting. so so what we're hearing is the notes, but uh, as if you're cooking and you add when you add herbs and spices to your meal, you can add a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that, and depending on the combination, uh, you get what the you get the result. So, so it is with sound. So, um, depending on the uh, amplitude, the loudness of the harmonics that you selectively choose to amplify, you get a different coloration of the sound and that enables you to identify what the source is. So normally we only use these overtones to identify the source. So what uh, overtone chanting does or, or harmonic chant does, it Uh, selectively amplifies these harmonics in such a way that you not only hear the generalized color of the sound but you actually hear them as the pitches that they are and because overtones themselves have no overtones they are very pure and Mm. bell-like so what you hear is a note, a drone-like note and then above it you hear these other sounds uh, floating above almost like people are reminded of the music of the spheres where you hear all these very pure bell-like sounds over the top of a single fundamental note.
0: Well, we'll be listening to some of your recordings in just a moment so we can hear those bell-like tones, Jill. But just before that, in theory, are these overtones continuing above those that we can audibly hear ad infinitum um, and and the same way down below as well, undertones as it were?
5: Yes, they're always there. Um, We don't hear them, and and we don't hear them because they're not articulated and amplified usually more than just to give you the information about the source, but also because they very quickly go out of range and they very quickly get very close together. So the Mm -hmm. first is the octave, the next one is five notes above that, next one is four, next one is three, Uh, so you can see they get very close together very quickly, and because the first one's already the octave above, they get very quickly out of range. So we lose the ability to identify them very quickly But in in a sense they are
0: resonating even if we can't hear them, even if they are out of our our sphere of audio they are resonating, they are present Absolutely Interesting. Right, so we're going to take a short break to listen to these bell-like sounds that Jill is referring to, these overtones in her chanting and we'll be right back, don't go anywhere (laughs) So welcome back guys. Wasn't that um, a stunning sound? Really, really fascinating and pretty much unlike anything we've ever heard before. So Jill, you became curious about cymatics and Hans Jenny. Tell us about your research and experiments about the, the resonant f- harmonics of the voice and matter. What, what were these experiments? And in your opinion, what are the implications of these studies?
5: Well, these go back actually to Faraday. They were called originally Faraday waves. So, various people over the years have done experiment with different kinds of materials. <clears throat> so, from liquids to viscous liquids, uh, pastes, powders of all kinds, and in some ways subjected them to resonance to different pitches and different other parameters, and found that they give rise to exquisite geometrical patterns. So I first saw these, as you mentioned, in the late 60s with the work of a, a, a doctor and a student of uh, Rudolf Steiner called Hans Jenny, a Swiss uh, doctor, who uh, did a lot of experiments of this kind and, and made a film of this work. And I realized on seeing this that here was creation in action. So no, I, I, I realized I was very interested in how form comes into being. This was one of my my fascinations and I was working with the spiral uh, mm-hmm. as, a, as a record of growth in time. So here was um, something demonstrating what most spiritual traditions had always said, <clears throat> which is that uh, in the beginning was the Word, in the beginning was the ohm, in the beginning was the first seven vibrations of Agotemeli in the Dogon tradition. So, um, so here was a, a, an actual visual representation of these formless, seamless substances taking on the exquisite forms and geometries of nature just by the induction of sound. So here was uh, a a visual representation of creation happening before one's eyes, and so that made me realize just how important sound was. And did you
0: find that vowel sounds uh, had any particularly remarkable um, imagery coming about in the matter? Were vowel sounds any different?
5: Well, vowel sounds are very interesting because uh, when we make sounds as human beings, we have we six sound making into vowels and consonants. Consonants are fundamentally noise sounds. If you analyze them electronically, they're chaotic vibrations. Vowel sounds, on the other hand, are pure tone. They're supremely ordered and they're like sine waves. Oh, I so, see. Uh, and then when we make when we speak, it's a kind of mixture of the two. When we sing or chant, it's mainly vowel sounds. It's mm. very hard to sing. Ah uh, consonant sounds and so um there's an induction of order uh, that happens as soon as you move into vowel sounds and so in the archaic metaphysical traditions, vowel sounds were always used as a as a kind of mantric spiritual induction for what purpose to bring into order to bring order so so the development of consciousness is in most traditions aligned with or identified with an induction of order yes. so we talk about diamond mind and Va consciousness and so forth yeah. so um, so usually there's a, there's this uh, notion that uh, order uh, is a is a, you know transformation of chaotic um, vibrations and disordered mind and so on into an ordered state. And you feel that when you're next to somebody who's been in a three-year retreat when they've been meditating for three years. You, yeah. know, you feel your whole system resonating with theirs and going into a state of order. So yeah. order is very important. And, and vowels are a manifestation of sound in order and so are harmonics. And there's an identity between vowels and harmonics. So, and so,
0: uh, I just wanted to ask uh, about something that, that um, one of your students, actually, uh, the American chant master, Jonathan Goldman, speaks about in some of his work. He speaks about a sequence of vowel sounds that he uses in, hin- in his uh, sound healing meditations, a particular sequence that works down the spine and back up again. And he says that this sequence of vowels was used in antiquity for transformation and healing, but was then... Suppressed, um, although I'm not quite sure what he what he meant by that. And he calls this the name of God. Uh, is this something you're aware
5: of? What can you explain it for us? Well, yes. I, I you know, I, he would have got that from my teaching him in the '80s. I, I um, <clears throat> so the sequence of vowels, which gives rise to the overtone series, is a particular sequence, um, which is not the alphabet, not the alphabetical sequence. It's u or ah, r e. Uh, that's the sequence of uh, vowels, which gives rise to the order of the harmonics going from low to high, mm. and then the reverse e, e, a, or, And um, th- this is simply an acoustic fact. You know, each vowel um, goes up in that in that order. It's just acoustics. And so, um, in the Hebrew tradition, the unnamed name of God Yahweh is is a combination of those two. So. Ia'u is, is a descent from the Ia'a'u, and Ua'e is going from low to high. <clears throat> so it's like the intersecting star of David. So this unnamed name of God um, was was not said in the Hebrew tradition because it was considered too sacred. You know, if you if you say that which is sacred, then you're limiting the sacred. So I don't know exactly when or how it became something that was not said. Uh, in the Hebrew tradition, Jonathan
0: um, Jonathan seems to imply that he he, f- he feels that, that 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 it's also immensely powerful and that it may have been suppressed because of its importance to transformation and consciousness. Is that
5: something you you would agree to? Well, it's what it is. Is the sequence of harmonics backwards? You know, twice and a descending and ascending sequence of harmonics. So, in that sense. Uh, you know it's an induction of order right uh,
0: so he means powerful in that sense that it is essentially a a doorway a gateway to more of this order and more of this sort of spiritual calm as it were
5: I don't know what he means but that's Mm. what I would say and um, and I suspect that he would have heard me talk about that um, because that's one of the things that I I've always mentioned
0: mm, so. Yes, and um, I remember this this sequence uh, from from your workshop very, very, very useful, and, and I've used it for many years as, as part of my daily practice. Okay, Jill, story time. What is the most remarkable experience? I mean, obviously, it's been a good many years. You've been working both with with overtones and with sound in general, and also with the transformational ability that that has with your students in your workshops. What are some of the most remarkable experiences you've ever had?
5: Well, I think when I was about seven or eight, um, in fact, probably the experience which um, was the transmission, first transmission of the power of sound, uh, which probably established my uh, interest and um, my life's work was when I was a child. we used to spend our summers in Ireland, uh, the west of Ireland, and my father was extremely eccentric and (laughs) most when most people went to bed he would he would sort of venture out, uh, he would take us on adventures and so on one particular uh, occasion we were um, going on a boat to visit a remote island off the west coast of Ireland and uh, because it was late at night the only people on the boat apart from my brother and I and my parents were three old women going home, dressed in black, standing at the back of the boat. And so we set off, and a storm uh, blew up—a very, very violent storm—and and it was clear to us all that we were going to drown. And I was—we were all completely terrified. And then all of a sudden, these three women in the back of the boat started a keening, wild chant sound, which was. Quite extraordinary, and and, uh, and as they as they uttered these sounds, the wind abated and the storm died down, and the waves um, became calm. And, and what happened then was a kind of induction of ecstasy. We became, as they started to chant, our terror became ecstasy, wow. and the and the storm abated so it was a combination of inner transformation and the transformation of the elements themselves and this was uh, something i've never forgotten and this is really what launched me on on my work with sound
0: and presumably you 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 couldn't help but ask yourself the question you know was it related it was it in some way possible that they could have actually calmed that storm with the sounds
5: No, there was never any question about it it was obvious yes extraordinary and i remember a funny story about the pyramids at giza is that something that, that you might be able to share with us oh well this was something on my honeymoon with my husband rupert sheldrake we we were uh this was in 1982 no no 1985 so we were we went into the great pyramid and the guide rather mischievously, it was on a Friday and that's the day when the, all the young students and school children come into the pyramid and so mischievously and without telling us he he stopped them all in the sloping passage into the great chamber uh, and they were all sort of left standing there, poor things and, <laughs> uh, and Rupert and I were in the chamber alone <clears throat> with the guide so uh, Rupert got into the so, so the, the, the great pyramid chamber has is just a square, very resonant. It's very hard surfaces, shiny surface, and it's got one empty uh, granite sarcophagus in it. So Rupert climbed into the sarcophagus and as you do, to
0: climb. as you do, as, just as in. you do,
5: and uh, what else can you do? And um, and then started to uh, change his pitch to chant uh, because it's so resonant and change his pitch up and down until he found the resonant frequency of the chamber wow. and then he started to chant and and I was standing back and couldn't see him because the walls are quite high <clears throat> and um so all I could see was was the um was the sarcophagus and as he started chanting the whole sarcophagus just began to disappear and disappear completely with my new husband in it <laughs> and, and sort of so as if it was flickering
0: arm, in and out or like literally just no,
5: no it, one it second sort it was of gone flickered out and 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 was gone including my husband and so um and then it came back again and there he was again <laughs> um but it was extremely alarming and then, sure, and then i got so and lay there with my arms crossed and started doing the overtone chanting and unbeknownst to me the guy then allowed all these young people <laughs> into the chamber who who <laughs> as they emerged into the chamber heard the overtones ricocheting around the chamber and were absolutely terrified absolutely. and didn't know what was happening and came up to the sarcophagus and looked down seeing me there with okay. my arms crossed like the a child mummy. Mummy. and and started sort of honoring the the sarcophagus and bowing and, and touching their head and their heart and and uh, you know praying and, uh, a, and A slightly
0: cheeky cheeky smile on the on the guide's face, I imagine at that moment.
5: Oh, it's a guide that's loving
0: it. <laughs> well, wow, gosh, some big implications there. That's a whole other conversation, isn't it, about the flickering sarcophagus there.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Jill, talking about your family, I just want to say that uh, on this very podcast, your, your very talented son is also featuring. So, music is obviously, uh, and sound is obviously a theme in your family. Did you transmit a lot of your passion, enthusiasm, and eccentricity to, to Cosmo?
5: Oh, I think so, yes. I mean, he was brought up in a sonorous household. You yeah. know, my mother was a concert pianist. I lived and worked with Stockhausen. I sing. I teach the voice. Uh, Rupert plays the piano. Merlin, my eldest son is a pianist as well, and yeah. uh, an It was a, almost
0: there. a foregone conclusion.
5: Oh yes, so uh, I was brought up in a house with three concert grand pianos, so sound is is part of our whole family. Wonderful
0: and a wonderful voice, I may say, great on the radio, Jill. So what's next? Um, you know, the healing voice. You're still doing these fantastic workshops. You're also combining that with the family constellation work. Where can the listeners find out about your work and and what do you recommend that's coming up?
5: So uh, my website has a lot of information on it. It's healingvoice.com. Healing Voice one word. Healingvoice.com. A lot of information there, including my schedule. So uh, twice a year I do these massive... Healing voice intensives. I say massive. They're a week long, but but the the content is massive. I do this. I've reactivated the mandala as a journey,
1: mm.
5: uh, sonorous journey. So twice a year, I do these. Once over uh, May Day, and once over Sarwa in the Festival of the Dead, which I've just done. Mm. So the next one is at the end of April, beginning of May, and then in June, I do a week intensive of the family constellation work, which again is amplifying the resonant field of the family and ancestors in such a way that it becomes an oracle and reveals the traumas uh of past generations which are epigenetically passed down mm. through the generations uh and occupy somebody in every generation until the uh situation is redeemed yeah and so that work is utterly fascinating and, and i'm 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 very unique in the way that I do that using sound to amplify the field. Mm. And um, so that's a big part of my work as well. Mm. And then I have weekend voice workshops. I've got one. Um, so I've got two coming up in February, two weekends, one sound healing um, and one uh, family constellations.
0: Um, fascinating, fascinating work, Joe. And uh, we shall certainly be putting all of those links on the page and uh, hugely, hugely grateful for this insight for our listeners and for myself into into the, the healing nature of sound uh, through the voice and through overtones. Jill, wishing you very much all the best and thank you once again.
5: Thank you.
6: Come along, catch a heifer lump Sip with me on a muddy clump We'll sing a song of days gone by. Run along now, don't be glum. Get you gone now, have some fun. Don't be long, for the end is now. Don't let moments pass along and waste before your eyes. March with me in the borough groves, come with me in the slides. I never why. Come, 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 come along now Run away from the humdrum We'll go to a place that is safe from Greed anger and boredom We'll dance and sing till sundown And feast with abandon We'll sleep when the morning comes And we'll rise by the sound of the bird's song We'll be here when the world slows down And the sun fade away Keeping time by a pendulum as the fabric starts to fray There's no such thing as time to kill Oh, uh-huh. uh-huh.
0: Extraordinary clarity from Jill Purse in that last interview. You simply must try one of her workshops. Um, absolutely fascinating. And what a wonderful coincidence that in the same podcast here we are also presenting the new album of her son, Cosmo Sheldrake. Jill wasn't lying when she said it was a musical family. The album is out on the sixth of April, and it's called "The Much Much How How and I." Uh, no problem getting that one to the top of the Google search. And he's touring UK and Europe to celebrate the release. Uh, The hottest ticket is going to be for the album launch party in London at the Village Underground uh, in Hackney on the 4th of April. So get your tickets for that ASAP as it's going to be round. Uh, Cosmo's style is totally unpinnable, downable, as you can hear. Uh, He combines multiple instrumentals and electronics with abstract field samples. For example, in this album he's used the sounds of bats in Panama. Uh, uh, as well as the sound of him in a classroom trying to teach beatboxing to six-year-olds. So his ineffable sound has a really warm and inclusive feel, uh, whilst being totally avant-garde and experimental. Cosmo Sheldrake, one to watch. This is Come Along.
2: you.
0: So it is time to speak to uh, another of our very special guests today, Tracy Story. Now, during the late 90s, Tracy became immersed in dance music culture as a professional DJ and producer. And she traveled extensively throughout Europe and America as UK's leading lady of breaks and then went on to carve uh, her own niche in a style of deep electronica and techno. And this time, gave her a really strong insight into the transformative possibilities of sound and music and inspired her to seek out specialist teachers in that field. So on this search, she discovered one of the fathers of Western Sound Healing, Fabian Memo and went on to qualify as a, a vibrational therapist. Her knowledge also of Chinese meridian systems and acupuncture points, qigong meditations and color therapy also influenced significantly the platform for her organization, Elemental Resonance. So Tracy, welcome to Totem and to Badger Radio. Thank you so much for taking out the time to be with us, especially after your return from the Nadi conference in Peru. How are you dealing with the change in climate coming back to UK?
7: Hey, Freddie, good to to be here on Totem. Um, Yeah, um, actually, it's been, um, the jet lag has definitely um, stayed with me, but um, I have so many beautiful memories of Peru and the wonderful people that I met there at the Nadi Gathering uh, in the Sacred Valley that that's still very much vibrating with me. So I can, I feel like I can deal with anything right now. (laughs) Absolutely. Even the, the
0: imminent British winter.
7: Yes, exactly.
0: (laughs) So, Trace, you've DJed with us in the woods at Secret Garden before. You've travelled the world with your tunes. You know the score with parties. When was it that you realised that these sounds could have a really specific and positive effect on people?
7: Well, yeah, I mean, I was very lucky... um with my artistic incarnation, Ten Swede, to be whisked around the world um, to play at different parties, Mm. um, different places, deserts, mountains, nightclubs, different parties in uh, different areas. And Mm. I kind of really felt like these were like Um, key moments um, not just for me but for the other people as well and there was points where everything just kind of came together and aligned Um, sometimes i really feel like this is to do with the with the earth and with the actual environment that i was in but also it was to do with something about connecting deeper within myself Mm. and i realized that this was something that was going on for the, the people at the party as well so that sound was really playing a key importance in what was going on for me and what was going on for them and this led me to kind of like seek a little bit more deeply as to the power of sound and the spectrum of sound as well so i thought right it's time to kind of look a little bit deeper in this and have a look at this universal soundscape that i feel was happening at the time so i pulled myself away from electronic dance music and went a little bit more deeply, and this is where I discovered uh, my teacher, Fabien Maman, of the Tamado Academy.
0: Kando is called, is
7: it? Um,
0: Tamado. Tamado.
7: Tamado, yes, that's the his academy um, that he founded about 30 years ago now.
0: Mm. So, looking first at vibrational therapy um, and, and sound healing, as it's often sort of nicknamed. What are the yeah. guiding principles that set the scene here for the listeners who maybe know less about it? I mean, I've heard that every object in the world, both alive and dead, has a resonant frequency. Is, is that true? And, and what does that mean for the health of the human body?
7: Well, yeah, just to kind of um, briefly take an example of this, um, one of the things is that we're, we're affected by sound. So, how, are we, how do we know this? So um, one of the things that um, Fabian did in his research was the impact of sound on the cells. So he took, he took human cells and using Curlian photography, um, he actually recorded what a cell looks like when it has acoustic sound played to it. Mm. And this can be acoustic sound in the form of the human voice mm. or it could be um, an instrument as well. Mm. And what was what was found in this experiment which took p- place in Paris in the early 1980s was that the cell changed form. So. There was the cell in its natural form, and here was the cell after sound was applied to it. Yeah. So there was this physical actual difference where the cell became more focused, more um, more colourful because oh. there is these natural colours in the sound as well. So there was this whole colour and format change when it was affected by sound. And also, some some listeners out there may have heard of Cymatics as well, yeah. which is um which you can find videos on YouTube about. The physical, um, uh, like sand, for example, or water, how it looks when vibration is applied to it as well, and it changes form. So these are all examples of how we are affected by frequency.
0: And and are the are the different parts of the body? Do they they have different resonant frequencies?
7: Indeed. So. Actually, if you start looking at the organs of the body, there's been research done that actually takes a fundamental note um, and is is the fundamental note of that particular organ. So your liver has a fundamental note. Your kidney, like D, is the fundamental of kidney so there's different the gallbladder has another note the heart the pericardium so when you start looking at this it's oh right my body is made up of sound yeah my body is made up of different notes
0: right and presumably um this helps you diagnose these illnesses so i mean how do you go about diagnosing a problem you mentioned the liver there i mean do, do you are you able to test whether it has the note it's supposed to have how do you go about diagnosing these problems
7: yeah, well, that's that's um, that's a good question. Um, so there's various different things, um, but one of the one of the most simple um, ways to diagnose this is to see your pulses. So the pulse allows us to see whether it's strong, or whether it's weak. So that's one area that that is a way to diagnose this. Then it's also different things about a person's appearance, a person's energy. So, it's kind of how someone is. Do they, do they seem full of energy? Do they seem active or are they, are they a little bit um, quiet, a little bit introverted? You know, actually, each of the organs has different qualities to it. And so, when you start looking into that, you see how this person could be deficient or um, overactive in a certain organ. Then, this information helps to diagnose. What, how to how to treat this person with sound right. and then you start looking at the different notes of the different organs, then you're like, oh, so do we need to activate this a little bit more? If so, this is the technique that would work. Or if they are um, overactive, we need to pull it back because it's really, in, in simple terms, it's about balance and harmony. So let's try to balance in ourselves. And I like to compare it to Um, imagining that your body is a musical instrument so let's say guitar so if you're playing a guitar and you have one string that's out of tune when you play your song it's not going to sound so so great so once you tune that string then you play your song
0: right so getting into the nuts and bolts then how do you go about treating those problems do you do you just fire Um, the correct resonant frequency for that part of the body uh, at the organ in question, or do you have a sort of, as you mentioned, this sort of tweaking approach? And and are there a range of potential tools to choose from depending on the patient's situation?
7: Yes, there are different techniques that I can use um, which are most suitable for the patient being treated. Um, so it depends on the, their diagnosis, it depends on what they need. So some of the techniques are more harmonising, some of them are more activating. So um, they're using um, tuning forks. So there's a set of tuning forks that are different notes, like a, notes of a piano. So you have a full octave with the sharps. So um, there's different techniques like the shoe points, there's musical spine, there's TEP, there's ACMO. So it's 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 a variety of different things. Could you give so us an I, example,
0: I, Tracy? Like, give us an example of, of a situation that you might have, maybe a a particular problem, and how, you know, having assessed that problem, you would then choose which tool to use, and in what way.
7: Mm-hmm. Um, so there's an amazing, a great technique called musical spine. And musical spine um, uses the tuning forks down the centre of the spine, so straight down the back of the body. So if somebody has got, um, is quite stressed, maybe they've got tension in their shoulders, um, they're not sleeping so well, um, this is a really good technique to use. So there is different points on the back of the spine which each of the notes relates to. So you literally follow this down, this map down the back of the body Mm. using the different tuning forks then this allows um, a release to happen energetically. So as you keep going down the body, this release um, allows the energy to flow down. And just, it's kind of like draining things you don't need anymore. Mm. So you drain this energy out and down the back of the body and it, it creates um, much more harmony in the person and much more um, relaxation, um, but also allows them to come back into their natural state of being which mm. is essentially what we're all looking for mm. so that, that's that's one technique that, that can be used in a situation each of the different organs of, like i mentioned before has a fundamental sound and you can actually tone that note into the into the that particular organ mm. so for example your kidney in d if you find a d then sing that hold hold the hold the organ with your hands and then sing that and you can start to tune your own organs. And
0: presumably it's more powerful if the person themselves does that because their body is a, is a resonant chamber in itself.
7: Exactly. Right. Exactly. So it's just having the knowledge to know which sounds you need to be working with mm. then you can apply them.
0: Fantastic. Gosh, I mean, I'm tempted to put this schema onto the notes for the show. I might ask you to send <laughs> me that so that we just have to listen to the notes, sing it and, and we're going to feel better without even having to go to a doctor at all. So... Tracy, we've spoken today on the show already about subsonic frequencies that were allegedly used in ancient times, not only for health, but also for meditation and prayer. Do you use some of these ancient approaches in your treatments, and and if so, for what purpose?
7: I certainly do work with um, meditation and prayer in, in the practice. And um, there's there's something about working with sounds that have a history, sounds that have a lineage. I think that's really important. And it's very much about working with what has gone before us and what you call them the ancients, you know, certainly the ancestors knew about that they've passed down over time. Um, and there's some frequencies that come from the um, ancient Japanese science of sound I work with certain vowels and certain consonants and um, These have certain patterns So like mantras you sing them in certain ways and but like with anything like this, I think it's really important to To know about why you're singing something why you're working with a certain vibration and How it's affecting yourself and and others because if we are this musical instrument, if we are vibration, then that means every time we sing a mantra, every time we work with a certain sound, we're actually connecting in with something other and greater than ourselves. So it's really important to to take certain a certain approach to these sounds and make sure that we're actually working with them in the way that they're supposed to be worked with. Otherwise, we're kind of like, kind of swimming around in, in like a soup, you know, when we don't really know where we're going. Or it's like, it's kind of getting in a car and kind of driving around endlessly, thinking, well, where are we actually going? We, we do need a map, we need the lighter, and that's yeah. why it's important to me. Or, or getting to the,
0: into the car when you don't know how to drive, you know.
7: <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, so chakras, this is obviously a big topic, and we could speak about it for a long time, but very, very briefly, um, for those of us who haven 't read uh, much about these these energy centers, in what sense a color and in what sense a chakra so are you do you find that there are certain psychological areas that relate to to the different energy centers or are are, are we talking about health issues in in what way is the color related to the chakra and what in what way is the chakra related to our health and and, and our personality should we say or, or our psychology
7: yeah it comes back to the conversation we were having at the beginning of the talk actually about being in being flow with the different elements so again it's like depending on how we Going in our lives, we can be some people can be really grounded, so their root chakra is very strong. There, uh, they feel connected. This is to do with the color red, mm. so this is the, the base chakra. Then you move up to the second chakra, which is orange, the Dantian. Um, this and this area, if you if you feel into your body, it's actually around the kidneys, around the um, the bladder, and this is the water element. So, if you start going into what's 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 going on with my kidneys and then you might think actually i need to start to work with the second chakra because kidneys are feeling weak my kidneys are feeling like they need a bit more energy so i can start to work with the second chakra so there's this i mean it's a whole other big conversation but there is a connection between each and the organs in your body and these are sort of of mind body
0: spirit kind of connection here whereby via the chakra tradition you can look at a physical ailment in this case we're talking about the kidneys and that can relate directly to certain issues in your personality in your life in your daily life and your emotions for example
7: exactly exactly so once we can start to go we can start we start with the physical body what's going on in the physical body then it's like okay let's go up another level it's like going up in a lift to the next level of the building okay what's going on on this level does it relate to what's going on on the lower level yes it does how is that? Then you can start to draw in and create um create a connection between the two. So it's like let's work on the bottom level, let's work on the next level. As well.
0: So Tracy, where can the listeners find your work? Um and and where, where you know where where do you practice? Where can they come and see you for treatment if they need it?
7: So I do want to on treatments in um, Evolve Wellness Center, which is in Kensington. I also oh,
1: offer an angel. Yeah.
7: yeah. People there. I do um, sound sound harmonizations there as well. So I do the sound harmonizations around um, different times of the year. So there's different dates in the year, or sometimes around full moon, sometimes around new moon. So I do those in the UK, in Brighton and in London. Hmm. So people can find these dates on my website, which is uh, ElementalResonance.com.
0: ElementalResonance.com. Um, Great. We'll make sure that yes. gets on the page, yeah.
7: Brilliant yes and uh, I also offer workshops and classes, Qigong classes so there's a whole heap of stuff if people are interested to know more they can come find me and come along to one of the classes I'd be more than happy to welcome in any of your totem listeners <laughs> to be to, the, uh, to these new um classes that i'm offering so. well you
0: heard them list as you heard tracy make sure you <laughs> mention make sure you mention when you contacted her that you found out about her right here on totem well tracy thank you so much really really profound and insightful uh understandings amazing that such uh, so many implications can come from something so simple as just uh, uh, the resonance of the body um, all the best from us here at the Art for Badger and uh, on Totem and thank you so much for, for all your offerings.
7: Thank you, Freddie. Thank you so much. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much to Tracy for that fascinating insight into sound healing techniques. And she's very much still the first lady of breaks, it would seem, in this remix that she released on the 14th of February a January Thompson single, You For Me. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of vocals in house music, but this is a beautifully crafted remix layering together some gorgeous percussion sounds to create a chunky, deep remix that remains really true to its ethereal um, original. So great job, Tracy, turn this one up for the break. Tracy in that last interview and that just about completes the picture for us uh, for today's show although I now wish that I'd invited a modern physicist to talk about the implications of all this and and the implications of Tesla's quote you know if you want to understand the universe think of energy frequency and vibration as it'd be really interesting to know more about the modern research being done into the vibrational of the universe itself. So please post any interesting links to research about that in the comments below. Personally having wanted to make this show and speak to these specialists for donkey's years I feel more confident than ever to say that I think the world we see around us is more accurately described as a vibrational world made up of completely interdependent factors constantly in flux. Please write to me at freddy at artfulbadger.org. That's freddy, double D-Y, at artfulbadger.org. If you've got anything you'd like to add to this debate, uh, for me it is certainly not complete, and I will, will be researching this probably for the rest of my life. So thank you so much for tuning in to Totem. Please do hop onto iTunes and leave us a review if you can. That will really, really help us to get this quite young show out to a much wider audience in the future so please do that for us that'd be a great great favor thanks also to all of our fascinating guests for helping us navigate these complex themes in such an accessible way please check the comments for this show for all the links dates and references we've been talking about today and write to me with any requests or feedback We're going to wrap up with another track from Charlie Roscoe's um, Music for Energy Healing album, which, as I said, you can get on uh, his Bandcamp or on his website, uh, which we can sort of nestle into quietly. And let all this information um, and the implications of all this stuff really, really sink in. So thank you, listeners. Bad your love.